Blog Talk Radio. I'm so sorry about that, guys. Um, I'm back on the air. Um, welcome to 
a special edition of the Indie Cafe. Let me bring everybody on just to make sure everybody is still connected. Are you guys still there? Yes. Hello. Hi, I'm here. I'm here. I'm so sorry. Listen, you know, I didn't even get to do my intro right. I keep getting cut out. Um, I guess it's because of the weather. But um, I just wanted to say um, welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe on the Red Velvet Media Network. And today we have a special guest, Orion Williams, producer and actor and doing so much more stuff. And also um, uh, Spencer Drake, who will be co-hosting with me, who is an accomplished um, album cover artist and also design and has quite a few things in the different museums and also um, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm sorry I'm a little scattered because I was just like so blown away. I got disconnected three times from the show. (laughs) So for everyone listening, I will be editing the show and I'll take out that little part of it that when you guys hear it live, on podcast afterwards it will be available on itunes afterwards and also on um red velvet media blog talk radio so that was a really cool song i hope everybody heard it new order um a song that we opened up that you chose orion that was a cool song that can you hear me okay thank you yeah i can hear you oh, great, great. um okay cool uh, it's a good song <laughs> yeah, no, so I thought what we could do, no, I know, I know, I'm so sorry it cut out, I feel like <laughs> such a nitwit, you know, with this, but for everybody listening live, um, this show will be available afterwards on iTunes, and as an on-demand episode on Red Velvet Media, uh, for everyone in the chat room, thank you for calling in, you do have to create an account, though, to go into the chat room So for everyone that doesn't know who Orion Williams is, he's an accomplished producer and actor as well, and um, just finished some amazing, um, uh, you know, different projects and films and stuff, and um, why don't we, like, first start on what, where you're at right now and how you got to where you are, you know, and, and, and how you started out with your filming career. Orion, because I know that you're calling live from London, live from London, London <laughs> calling. So, yes. here we go. Well, I uh, thank you for having me on, and, and thank you both for uh, 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 you know bringing me uh, to this uh, forum. It's always it's always great to talk about film and music, and for me, the combination of both those things are just you know my uh, my perfect uh, marriage of. Uh, of Passions, I guess, if you will, and um, I, uh, I'm in London. That's right, currently, uh, where I spend a lot of time. Um, you know, having made a couple motion pictures here, and uh, and many that are in development. Um, you know, it's been kind of a place where I, uh, I call a second home in a way. But I was um, living. I live in Los Angeles, and uh, currently, I'm here working on a film called Stephen, which is um, about sort of the young life, uh, teenage life of Morrissey, uh, pre-Smiths. And we're in the uh, initial sort of production stage, uh, pre-production, if you will. And and, and we're getting to that place where we'll be up in Manchester shooting in the same small town outside of Manchester that, you know, he lived and grew up in. It's just a lovely uh, story that's more than anything, just a love letter to, to him and, and, um, not so controversial, like he might be perceived as we speak, but uh, just a great, great movie about the beginning of his life and how he, you know, came to this place to form the Smiths. Hmm. And and you were, uh, by the way, I got to ask you a question. You're working on some other, um, other films also, right? And and sort of like, um, well, a Jeff Buckley, is that right, or? You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm, I'm doing a lot of films. I guess I should start a little bit from the beginning. And you know, I, I I've worked uh, on several films. One of which, I probably now it's hard to believe that it's been ten years almost. Uh, called Control, directed by Anton Corbine. And Anton, uh, great photographer, artist uh, in his own right, and now film director, directed many of my favorite music videos, and photography, uh, and wow. photographs of bands that I loved back in the day. And he um, was always someone I, I wanted to at least meet and get to know. And I randomly emailed him to get in touch and find out if he had any interest in, in 
perhaps working alongside me on a film that he could direct, um, I had the rights to uh, a book entitled Touching from a Distance, which is the basic uh, – it's, it's, it's written by Debbie Curtis, the, the widow of Ian Curtis from Joy Division. I optioned that book. I had the rights and eventually saw that film into uh, to the screen. It, it took several – it took 10 years to get going, almost to the date. But Anton, you know, eventually came on board and, and, and made it his own and created that look that we all love with his photography from Joy Division and U2 and Depeche Mode and Echo and the Bunnymen and, and many other great bands. So um, it was a, it was for me a dream to be able to work with him. I, and I, given I, that the film had you – know. Pardon? Oh, no, no. I was saying I, I worked with Anton Corbin on Octung Baby for Island Records in the U.S. So uh, the visuality of him, if people don't know, is like a painter, right? He's like he's like a photo painter, I call him. And um, it's interesting, the camera, uh, the black and white, you know, of the film, you know, it was really incredible, you know, uh, that I experienced when I watched the film. Yeah, I mean, Anton's so gifted in, in both color and black and white, but really the black and white is what I think separated Joy Division from all the other bands and the way that yeah. his style and yeah. his look, he's a great artist and he is like a painter with the camera. I mean, every photo in his contact sheet is, is perfect. You know, the ones that he discards are, still, to me, wonderful. <laughs> so, um, um, but anyway, the film had its success and it's turned me on to a lot of new films related to music and subject matters that, that touch my own heart, you know, that I've always banned, that I've been a fan of since day one, and, and now I'm getting to tell their story, but in a, in a different way, not a typical uh, biopic type way. I want to do it a little bit from the outside looking in. So several of the films, some of the, you just mentioned, are, are, are from that perspective. Yeah. How, yeah, uh, that's Holly fantastic. mentioned about Shadow of the Vampire. What's the story behind that? That was an Academy Award yeah. nominated. Yeah, I want to hear about. I definitely yeah. want to hear about Shadow yeah. of the Vampire. Well, I just want to say we're there's a little bit of a lag on talking. So when we're talking, take a little pause in between because um, um, somehow we're talking over each other, and I, I apologize to our listeners for that. So, yeah, I want to hear about Shadow of the Vampire. Sure. Well, I'll I'll tell you all about it. Uh, you know, it was a film. It was my first film as a producer. Uh, my first one to mm-hmm. have a credit. We um, I'd been living in Los Angeles, and acting, as you say, was truly something I had initially gone to LA to to pursue. But it didn't it didn't find me as well as it's found many of uh, my uh, my friends and and colleagues. It, I just I just thought, you know, one line in a movie and you're a success. And and truly, it's not acting for me. Uh, I put myself in a few movies and. I had a line here or there, and that was great. But <clears throat> I, um, I found, you know, I worked at a commercial production company many years ago in the early 90s, and the Coen brothers were represented at this, this company that I worked for, and they did a few commercials, believe it or not. And the advice uh-huh. that they had given to me when, when they suggested, uh, when I asked them, how do I get in the film business, was basically to go find a young filmmaker, someone you believe in, someone that you, you, you're passionate about and attach yourself to him or her and you'll rise with them. And bizarrely, the next day I was introduced to a filmmaker from New Jersey by the name of Elias Marriage. Elias directed a film called Begotten. And Begotten was a beautiful creation myth of a film. He directed as his thesis project at SUNY Purchase in upstate New York. And he was just, you know, uh, a genius, a well-read man. And I started working with him and representing him and getting him music videos and different things like that. But his heart was really to make a feature film. And, well, through our bizarre assorted connections, he and I were quite different, but very much in the same mindset. We found out that Nicolas Cage was uh, a fan of this of this film, Begotten. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah. Begotten. Oh. And um, and and so I went on a mission to get a hold of of Nick, and uh, I did. I got a hold of him, and it was in fact true that he was a huge fan of this, this project, uh, uh, the film Begotten. And uh, we met, and he had a script that he sent to us through his producing partner, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Levine, and they sent us the script. And it was called Shadow of the Vampire. And we read it immediately in like one day, which is not normal to read a script in one day. Typically, you take a couple oh, weeks. No, but if it's, we were if so it's eager good, to find yeah. out why, <laughs> yeah, why would they send us the yeah. script? 
You know, it makes no sense. But we ended up um, meeting with Nick a couple other times, and they basically said, look, we would love for you to, um, you know, direct and produce this film. And that's how it came together. It, it took a couple of years from that point. We got John Malkovich on. We got Willem Dafoe. We shot the film in Luxembourg, but we pre-produced oh, really? the film here in London. So London. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was a Luxembourg shoot. But it worked out great. And um, and now we're, uh, and, you know, came back, Lionsgate bought it. We had a um, a couple of, um, you know, Oscar nominations with Willem Dafoe as Best Supporting Actor in Makeup. And, and off I went as a producer. And that was kind of wow. how I got started. That's so that fantastic. was your big break. That was your big break, right? That was what you call your big break, your film break? Yeah, that was. And, you know, uh, the director, Elias, um, we were kind of connected at the hip a bit. And he went off and made another movie, which, you know, sadly, in a weird way, didn't bring me along on that production, which was a big studio film. But in a weird blessing way, I was able to free myself up and go make Control, which was, uh, for me, a film that, you know, ended up winning Cannes. It won all these BAFTAs. It was a huge success. And a wonderful uh, experience for me to br- be able to bring Anton into to my world and, and, of course, you know, the story of Toy Division. I mean, that movie had so many things that really connected with me, and that was the photographic element of it. It was a black-and-white film, cinematic on yeah. many levels. It was a love story, mm-hmm. and, uh, it uh, you know, it was about a band I loved. And set in a country that I had had a lot of passion for growing up in Texas, of all I, places. Yeah, so, that's crazy. <clears throat> that's crazy. Why don't why don't we talk about your where I know that you were raised and uh you were in Mississippi and raised in Houston, Texas, right? And uh you went to let's talk about your past, how you got into film. Why don't we why don't we do that a little bit? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi of all mm-hmm. places and uh my mother uh when I was 3 years of age we moved to Houston and we stayed there until I went away to college at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. But it, it was mm-hmm. really Houston, which, you know, things were, I mean, I remember meeting some different types of people. I remember uh, it was, it was at church. I was raised a, a Southern Baptist and it was a church that I first heard of joy division. Uh, a gentleman, oh, wow. a friend, uh, I, I, a guy my age was like, Hey, let's skip church and go listen to some music. And I'm like, we mm-hmm. we can't skip church. Our parents are in the choir. They're <laughs> going to see us. And he's like, no, I need you to, I want you, I want to play some music. And sure enough, we went out and, and, uh, in his car, and he put in this cassette. This was probably 1982 or three. And, uh, he goes, listen to this. And it was Joy Division. And I'm like, I don't know about this. So his name was Philip Poor. And I said, I don't know if I really like this, Phil. And uh, he goes, well, just, how about this song? And I just was like, uh, you know, I don't know. He goes, you know who New Order is? I'm like, yeah. He goes, same band. I'm like, it's not the same band. There's no way. Uh, and that was sort of my first introduction to to that band. But it was also, there was a club in Houston called Numbers. And it had a, a, its own flair of independent, uh, you know, um, uh, pharmaceuticals sold over the counter and it had all sorts of crazy things that were going oh, nice. on. But it was basically a night <laughs> it was basically a, a, a club nice. where, you know, you, you yeah, it was crazy. ecstasy was sold over the counter. It was a funny thing. But but you could you Are could you literally serious? listen really? to New Seriously? Way music. What? That's funny. Yeah. Seriously? Oh yeah. It was sold over, over the, counter. the counter there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of places Absolutely. in LA are like that, but I didn't really think. Oh, in, oh wow, that's trippy. <laughs> well, Houston was uh, uh, a hotbed of ecstasy at the time. It was, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was kind of wow. um It was kind of this place where you could buy. You know, six bucks a hit. Uh, I never did it, but uh, it was it was a place where you know you you brought all these young rich kids from the outskirts of town into the dwellings of uh, Houston, and you could listen to alternative music. You could watch these videos, and you could take ecstasy and go home and be you know home by it too. Um, but it was there that I was exposed to a lot of the music videos that Anton directed. A lot of these bands, you know, from Depeche to to everyone that I just saw in love with The Cure, and. Um, and I and I became exposed to this other world of music from England and these videos that were so unique and different and and mm-hmm. an aesthetic that really took me to a different place from fashion to you know photographic elements and the music and so I was it started there that I worked at a record store in Houston where the two uh, guys that managed the record store were were basically on the edge of 
you know, um, publication. They were, they were, they were managed, they were uh, publishing these two magazines and they were great, you know, and, and within those magazines, we would, we would really hone in on, on bands from the UK and different bands that we all loved. And, and so I was introduced to them personally because I would go to these concerts and meet the band and listen to these guys interview them. So I, it was all these seeded little opportunities for me early days that, that introduced me to not only that I could actually listen to the music, but meet the band and then get to know them a little bit. And, um, and that was what sort of was the, the seeds that, that formed my appreciation for British, you know, music. For music, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's interesting. That you chose to the beginning, yeah. But can I ask you? A, uh, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you another. I think we're going to bring in now Roddy Bagua, who's in all of our lives. We had Roddy on our show, Holly and I. Oh, is Roddy call? Six. Is Roddy calling in right now? No, he's is he's Roddy? supposed to take a plane flight. Remember, I said he's taking a plane flight oh, yeah, out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, oh, I, I wanted to we bring. Gonna... Uh, let me just uh, bring in the. Uh, the thought here, uh, Roddy. First of all, you were involved with Roddy on. T- uh, I was involved. By the way, I knew Storm Thorgerson very well, and Roddy. I met Roddy through Storm, and um, and then Roddy mentioned, and I know you were involved with Taken by Storm. I want to ask you two things: the two projects, Taken by Storm, and I know you're getting getting involved with the Sid Barrett movie uh, with Roddy. And could you talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah, Roddy, I met through a mutual friend in Los Angeles, and we had uh, just connected by email and, and met a couple times in person. But he was at the at the brink of, you know, figuring out what to do with this Taken by Storm documentary. Of course, it touched so many things that I I love in in, in the world of music, and that's you know the aesthetic of album covers and and the images and 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 you know subconscious meetings of what bands are trying to you know, uh, express and, and their records and, and storm was that man. And, and I always had <laughs> respect for him. Um, so when Roddy mentioned that he was doing this and of course, perhaps, you know, following that up with a, a documentary on Sid Barrett, I couldn't help but be involved and, 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 and participate <laughs> on any level. And that's the thing that you'll find about me. I mean, most of the things I'm working on 99% of them, I think all of them really are, are projects that I'm, I'm that touch somehow me uh, from my past or, or something that I'm really passionate about. And this this thing with Roddy and and I liked him and I also have to like the person. And Roddy was such a gentleman and and really respectful of the process and and definitely the the subject at hand and the family and the estate. And I do that with every film. I mean, from Jeff Buckley to the movie I'm working on now, uh, from the one I'm doing about Kit Lambert from The Who. You know, it's all. I so can't wait to see that. To, yeah. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. great. And, and Roddy told Thank me you. that you, uh, he already, or you were, both of you interviewed uh, Mick Rock and the Pink Floyd already for the movie, and it should be out by next fall, he was telling me, something like that. That's our plan, yeah. We're yeah. Uh, super excited about it, and it's not been done the right way. You know, um, yeah. you know, there's been conversations about Sid films and Sid documentaries, but this one's really, uh, you know, supported by the band, and and people that knew Sid really well and that were intimate with him. So, yeah, but that's our plan is to do that. We still have a lot of interviews and editing and some stock footage to put in place, but it'll be a real special film when it's ready. Yeah, I think the subject matter you choose is very interesting because, like, Sid Barrett, I saw – I went to the open. Mick invited me to an opening of a Sid Barrett show in the East Village years ago, and I was thinking about, you know, the Sid Barrett topic is really interesting. You know, And, you know, it hovers around people, Sid Barrett, uh, all the time, and that the mere fact that you picked – that subject matter. You pick these subject matter, which are slots that other filmmakers won't choose. That's what's interesting, you know, and uh, what, which I like a lot. You know, the creativity of you and Roddy in that area. Yes, you know, yeah, he's got a creative mind. So that's that's pretty cool. You know, um, Orion, I wanted to ask you. Besides these other projects that you're going to be starting, do you have any others in mind that you would would like to share with our listeners? so that they could uh and also let's give out your website. Do you have a website that we can give yeah. out? And I know you're on uh I, Facebook I don't. too. Uh, funnily enough I'm I I I don't have a website. I've been I've been sort you're of You're funny. Um, uh minimal well, if you put on your my, name uh, in, you exposure. come up everywhere, you know. <laughs> you come up everywhere. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you're all That's over yeah. there. So, I need you to find. Yeah, you're um, on, who's coughing? I'm, uh, I mean I 
no. Spencer, are you coughing? You okay? No, I'm okay. I, I, I was going to say uh, you could look, you could find Orion e- uh, e- easily, easily on um, Wikipedia. <laughs> he's every, no, he's everywhere. Yeah, no, Spence, we heard, yeah. I heard you coughing. I didn't. I thought something. You were. Oh, it's okay. It's the heat in my apartment. Okay. Yeah. No, but um. But Orion, um, what are you yeah, going to work no, on? I, yeah, I do have a lot of things going on. I'll tell you, I have okay. so much. Let's and, talk about it. And uh, uh, I mean, I have probably like. 40-something films in different stages of development, which, oh, you know, as a producer, amazing. I know. Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not probably the smartest thing to do, but, you know, there's so many great ideas out there, and I think, okay. you know, having had such, you know, success with uh, Control, I think a lot of people realize that movies could be made about subject matters that weren't so worldly. I mean, Joy Division certainly had a, uh, a, a wide, you know, a net with uh, fans everywhere, but they never made it to the States. You know, they never toured the States. And yet this was a, a movie that most people that loved the movie and never even heard of Joy Division. And, that, you know, that's what I like to do is I like to try to just touch on stories. But if that movie hadn't been a success, I don't think we'd be talking right now. And we wouldn't, you know, certainly be, um, you know, I wouldn't be in, involved in so many movies about other subject matters that I love. It just, it, it, thank God Anton did such a great job. Thank God we had such great actors and, and cinematography and, and all those elements were just a magic moment to really bring this film to, to the next level. So the stuff that I'm working on now tends to, you know, leap off from, from where that started. And, uh, you know, of course, I made Shadow of the Vampire before that, a couple other films, but and, and recently made a film called Big Sur about Jack Kerouac and his yeah. his journey to yeah, Big that's Sur. Amazing. And that was a real passion. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was a real passion project for me movie. to get that made. But... Um, but some of the other stuff I'm working on, uh, just to go into it, is uh, I'm doing a movie about Kit Lambert, who was the famous manager of the band The Who. He yeah. was, uh-huh. you know, pretty pretty disheveled, but yet elegant in his own way. He had a lot of a lot of stuff going on that was uh, um, pretty dark. But but that that led him in his own way to discovering this band and and giving them the the, the juice that they needed to become one of the mm-hmm. coolest rock and roll bands ever. I mean, it was his own suffering through his father, who was a classical composer here in England, uh, named Constant Lambert, oh, wow. to his addictions, to his uh, homosexuality, to a lot of things that wow. were, you know, suppressed at a time when a lot of that stuff, specifically homosexuality, was illegal. And he, and he, and he, um, he kind of took that energy, balled it up, and threw it at the band, and 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 managed them, and, and gave you know towns and the keys to, to writing the music and, and, you know, without those other guys, it wouldn't have been the who without question, you know? So mm. it's a special thing, but the movie is uh, being directed by Carrie always, who is, who's um, oh, nice. uh, a dear friend, an actor, mm-hmm. but this is his first film to direct. So we're going to be embarking on this in September here in London. And uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, I, Stepping off from the you know the literary uh, thing again, I'm working on a, a, a movie about Henry Miller and his journey from Paris to L.A. to Big Sur in the oh, 1940s. Oh, that'll wow. be good. That'll be yeah, that'll be amazing. Where are you going to film that? Have yeah. you thought about locations yet uh, for that? I want to hear LA about that. That's going to be. <laughs> yeah, no, that's going to be beautiful. That's that's. It's a beautiful I, film. I, I imagine I, having shot Big Sur. Oh yeah. It's going to be great. Having shot Big Sur, I, uh, you know, and I did two movies up there. It's kind of opened up my mind to wanting to explore even different storylines that connect with Big Sur, and, and this is one of them. I was approached uh, to do this project, so it was not something that I had come up with the idea of, but uh, the filmmaker and uh, producer, Lisa, she was like, I, I just love what you do with Big Sur. I'd love to, you know, see you do something with Henry Miller. So it's a different Big Sur. It's a different face to Big Sur, and it's called Bohemia. And we're really excited about it. What about the oh, movie wow, that's Wonderland? Great. What about the movie Wonderland Avenue, uh, Orion? Yeah. So Wonderland Avenue is a real. I mean, for me, I keep saying this, and it sounds like I'm um, I'm repeating myself, but they're all special. And someone, everyone asks me, you know, what's uh, which one do you like the most? I'm like, I like all of them. You know, I really do. <laughs> but this one, Wonderland, uh, there's a um, uh, a woman uh, that I'm producing film with uh, named Fawn Hall. And Fawn Hall was, she's been around for a long time. She was married to Danny Sugarman. Danny Sugarman wrote the book Wonderland Avenue. And um, through several years of development, we've 
finally landed a, a home with this film, and the director is a Fred Durst, of all people, uh, a great man, a great director, a great friend, uh, and, 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 and it's been successful in his own right as a director. And David Fincher and I, along with Fawn, are producing this film, and we're just uh, over the moon about it. But it's really about a young boy growing up in L.A. in the 60s and 70s and sort of his tales of glamour and excess. Um, he, Danny passed away in 2005 at the age of 50. And, and he always thought that, you know, this was his rock and roll catcher in the rye. So, um, we, uh, it's a studio film and we're finally moving forward. And it looks like we're going to make it. It's great. Yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a real, you know, he, basically Danny, his story is not just, you know, about a young boy. I mean, he was, uh, grew up in a pretty affluent area of, uh, in Beverly Hills and, and, uh, and meets Jim Morris when he was 12. Morris wow. The doors. That kind of changed and altered his path to another plane of existence, to a, a pretty dark path, a path, mm-hmm. but also uh, it was, it kind of exposed him to a world that he was so close to, but yet so far from, but yet by the age of 16, he was managing the doors, you know I mean? And then right. of course, Jim dies not long after that. So he, Danny was a, well, poet in his own right. He wrote several books. Wonderland Avenue is, is just a great uh, a book if you're exploring any, you know, I don't know, if you if you want to find out about a rock and roll in the 60s and 70s in L.A., read this book. That'd be awesome. Hey, you know what I forgot to announce yeah. at the beginning of the show was if you would like to call in, the number is 347 and again, if you're listening and you tuned in late, today we have Orion Williams, and uh, the show will be available on iTunes and also on um, Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio under the Indie Cafe. And today I have Spencer Drake along with my as is my co-host and uh, Orion calling from London. So hey. if you're tuning in late, we just wanted to let everyone know. Yeah, and it'll be available afterwards. And we've had little few snafus here. I've gotten disconnected. I've I've been getting disconnected. Oh, yeah. hello. Hello. Are you there? Yeah. Hi. Are you there, Holly? Orion. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, man. It sounds like <laughs> sounds like the we- the weather's going bad there. It sounds like it's, yeah, it started. Uh, the storm's starting. Yeah, Pardon the expression. The storm I've is starting. That. <laughs> Where are you, Spencer? I'm in New York City, Rock and Roll City, Orion. That's fantastic. Where is Holly? Holly's in Sonoma, California. And by the oh, way, she's an wow. incredible cook. <laughs> <laughs> we feel like we should be interviewing her. I don't even know if we're on the air right now or not. But uh, I don't, I don't uh, know. Maybe you know, it's this is very bizarre for me having Holly somewhere else. Hello, Holly. You know, but. Um, Anyway, uh, what what filmmakers were you influenced by? I mean, I know there's a ton of them, but are there se- several filmmakers that influenced you when you were younger that you looked? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there were. I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's a film that I think most people go back to and love so much is Blade Runner. I mean, Blade Runner was a, a movie that had so many elements of things that I loved, and that was you know a photographic element. It was a stylish film as far as the aesthetic of the production design, the uh, yeah. the, the clothes that were there. I mean, it was just yeah. fantastic. It, musically, it was wonderful. I mean, it, it was a movie that was, you know, set in the future, but felt like it was in the past. And, and you know, there's always that nostalgic feeling with a movie and uh, that, that's set in, in the past, in the 40s or 30s. And it had the the, the visible, you know, signs of, of that type of noir film, but, but yet it was in the future, which was optimistic in its own weird bleak way. But um, I, didn't you uh, love that? I loved the, the sci-fi part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was amazing. I I really I loved the film, and I loved uh, you know. So Ridley Scott was you know someone for me that I had to meet or connect with <clears throat> or work with on some level, and eventually I did meet him. And wow. bizarrely, uh, he was a massive fan of Control, which I couldn't believe. I was surprised. Wow. But um, it, it it reminded him of his youth and and uh, and, and various things that he worked on when he was a young boy. But um, that, that, that guy, you know, set a tone uh, as far as the way I wanted things to feel and look. The emotion that I gathered from, from Blade Runner, I was hoping to infiltrate that into everything I was doing. 
uh, as far as producers go, it was Robert Evans. And Robert Evans, you know, he had such a, a gangster mentality when it came to producing and such a, an independent mind in the world of the studio. I mean, he was running the studio at 25. Um, yeah. And, you know, he took, wow. he was just, you know, nothing held him back. Uh, a handsome, incredible, you know, ladies man, but, you know, he, he was just doing it and he owned the material and he made things happen. And that was what he always, I met him and had some great uh, time spent with him back in the day. And, and that, that kind of, that, that really solidified my, my ideas that, Hey, you know what? I can get a movie made. You just own the material and surround yourself with great people, people that, you know, mm-hmm. can help you see that vision. You know, that have vision your vision. Yeah. Right. Your vision yeah. that you have. You know, what I wanted to ask you, Orion, was um, who have you um, wanted to do a film with or what subject matter um, do you want to do a film on that you haven't really put into action yet that you're thinking about besides the projects you're thinking about working on and getting ready to do, along with your 40 projects Gosh, so you many. have sitting there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, there's so many. I mean, there's a Jeff Buckley film I've been working on for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. that Jeff's mother saw Control. She really, um, uh, I don't know, it, it sort of touched her in a way that a guy like Ian, could, who was not the nicest person, you know, on, on, on you know, at least uh, to his wife and child and various other people, could somehow you could feel sorry for him and, and love him and, and want to know more and, and, and listen to his music still and, and how the music me- meant more to the listener based on knowing the backstory of his own love life and, and struggles with epilepsy and whatnot. And I think, you know, Jeff was um, not as troubled, didn't have epileptic seizures like uh, Ian, but he had his own haunted person. Uh, you know, he was the kind of guy that, that, that just did what he wanted to do and, 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 and didn't care what other people thought. And created some beautiful music. And his mother and I have uh, become quite close and friends. And, oh, that's great. And, uh, oh, that's great. It's really yeah. cool. And what's great, what's great is, is the director is a guy named Scott Hicks. Scott Hicks directed a movie called Shine. Oh, I know Scott and Hicks. Shine, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, Shine, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Were you involved with yeah, that? Shine was, no, not I'm Shine. sorry, what, Spencer? With, but, uh, oh, no, I asked uh, Orion if he was involved with Shine. Uh, at oh. all, you know. Oh yeah! Wow. No, I had nothing to yeah. do with that film. That was uh, in like '96, I believe, uh, '97. Yeah. But it was the fun fact here is that 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 was Jeff's favorite film was Shine. So it's really? a nice thing to have wow. the director of that film. Yeah, it's cool. It's a great film. Great film. Great film. Great film. Scott Hicks is a great filmmaker. Now, you know, who are some of the other people that you have worked with that you really learned from, that you that really inspired you besides just the people that Spencer had said who your mentors were? Who's inspired you um, while you've been doing some of this? Who have, you, have you learned new ways of doing things along the way? Every day you learn something, you know. It's uh... – mm-hmm. You know, you come across a filmmaker, uh, you come across an actor. I mean, that, that's so many people along the way that, that inspire you for two seconds. You never see them again, and yet you continue thinking about what they said at that dinner, at that, mm-hmm. that handshake, at that meeting or whatever, at uh, that screening. Or some people you don't even know, they get up in front of you and they, and they say things. But, you know, there's a couple people that I'm close to. Uh, you know, I always uh, – Matthew Modine, the actor who was in Full Metal Jacket, is a, is a dear friend. Mm-hmm. And someone I'm 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 working with on a film, uh, he's directing. Wow. And he's all. Uh, we just went down to my old uh, my old school, Baylor University in Waco, Texas, and and spoke to the to the kids down there and and talked to a lot of them. You know, I mean, in the same room that I sat and dreamt one day of actually just doing something creative with my life, and in the same rooms, 25 years later, uh, bizarre, very very bizarre. But Matthew no, said a lot of cool. things. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, no, that's really cool yeah. that you were able to do that. It was great. And and he said so many beautiful things uh, about, you know, just like keep that little light bulb in your heart that, that says you're creative and different going at all times. You know, don't ever let anyone crush it. Just be creative. That, that will that, that'll, that'll, uh, enlighten 
other people to do things and, and perhaps your own ideas come to life through that. And I, and I always, and I listen to him as much as I listen to myself, but blabber mm-hmm. on, but uh, definitely the kids that were there got a lot out of it. Some were crying, some were emotional. Oh, wow. Hundreds of kids at Baylor. It's a Baptist college that's pretty liberal in its own right. But, but, uh, but Matthew Modine, you know, coming, working with Kubrick, working with some of the greatest directors, uh, Robert Altman, everyone, uh, just yeah. he has such a, a light in his own heart still that, that blinks, and, and I really, uh, I really love it. I know it sounds kind of hokey, but but he uh, he inspires me every time I meet him and talk to him. Another gentleman who you may or may not know is a, is a guy named Donald Logue, and Donald uh, is an actor. He's in the show at Gotham right now, but Donald is just uh, such a sweet man and, and and a good friend. And 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 back in the day when I slept on his couch, you know, <laughs> trying to get Shadow the Vampire going, he was just sort of this guy that. He's like, dude, you can do whatever you want, man. Just go make it happen. <laughs> you know, I'm doing it. If he's like, if I can do it, you can do it, you know. And uh, and he just had a, a real generous – I watched him. I observed him. And he was so kind Great. to people and did things for people that he barely knew, for people that he didn't know. Uh, and that's I amazing. Being kind, you know. No, being that's, a nice person. that's really so, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you something, well, you know, Orion. Um I've seen some, you know, we've all seen great movies. I just saw a couple in a couple of nights. Of, you know, I write books. We've written books on film and stuff. But anyway, uh, I saw Boogie Nights and I saw The Revenant. And what I noticed about these films, as you well know if you've seen them, the camera work, the editing, you learn about if you got the right people together, you get an incredible thing going on, right, with cinematography or editing. And you learn from that too, right? Because you're working with different people, so you pick up new ideas, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're always working with new cinematographers and new people and and new crew personnel. I mean, there's the 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 team on Shadow of the Vampire worked not only with David Lean on Lawrence of Arabia, but Stanley wow. Kubrick on Barry Lyndon and and The Shining and wow. Clockwork Orange. But you know, worked with uh, some of the greats, uh, uh, Blah. Tony Andy Floa. We had a wonderful production designer who passed away a couple of years ago named Ashton Gordon. We brought all these guys back to, to participate in this, you know, special project, which was about mm-hmm. filmmaking the, in the early stages. So, uh, you know, it, it's a wonderful treat to look. I mean, you know, it's like I, I feel like I'm a young kid figuring it all out, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's a real treat to to actually look back and go, wait, hold on. When someone like yourselves, both you guys, ask me these questions, I'm like. Hold on a second. You know, I've actually worked with some great people, and I've had a, right. I've been a part of some wonderful situations and uh, and um, projects. To, to team up with anyone, whether they've done a million films or they've done nothing, as long as they've got it in their mind that they're doing something special, I'm excited about it. Um, it's cool, you know. And then the other thing I was going to say, you know, I, my mother, she's not in the film business at all learned a heck of a lot from her i mean she she had wow. a business mind and mm-hmm. and, a, and a great sense you know i'm an only child and uh and um raised by her so she she and it gave me this sort of hope that hey go off you can do this dreams are meant to be made you know and and never never uh step back from thinking that you could do anything you want and in a guy grew up in mississippi and texas Going to L.A. was the last thing on her mind for me to do, and, and certainly for anyone else that I knew. But somehow I suck it out, and, and it's all still working. But uh, and, and, and just the opportunity. I mean, it's not always about the money, because you certainly don't make a lot of it in this independent world, but you get to meet a lot of great people. And I've, I've like you said, Spencer, I've worked, I mean, you have too. Both you guys have gotten to interview and, and work with great people. So uh, what Amazing, for all of us yeah. to have that opportunity. And you're just one more to add to our list, and <laughs> Orion. Okay, but you know, yeah. I wanted to ask you, Orion, what movies have you seen recently that you really, really connected with in cinema, uh, in the cinema know, over there? The movie, I know the, in Europe they have. Yeah, the, the movie that I connected with me most recently, uh, and I uh-huh. know it probably, I don't know, it was, it was the um, the Marlon Brando documentary. Um, I saw that. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen it. I saw it on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I went to the premiere the Terry Elway is my friend, and uh, Josh Brolin got up and spoke, and it was a wonderful ensemble of people in very small screen. It was at the London Hotel, and it was just inspiring. I mean, this guy said some things and did some things that I didn't know. I had no idea he was yeah. the man that he was. I mean, I knew he was special and a great actor, but 
but his 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 voice and his reason for doing what he did and and his struggle to sustain this this you know persona of who he really was and who he wasn't was it was it was amazing incredible you know what, I, I you know what really got Orion, you know what got me was the fact that's how it's put together it was it's out of the box right it's like you hear his voice and you see these images, but no one has done, I haven't seen a film like that, right? I mean, it's totally different the way it's constructed, right? Absolutely. I mean, he it was his own voice. And yeah. all those were, you know, just, you know, the moments of recorded uh, mm-hmm. thoughts, you know, trying for him to, to lose weight and, 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 and deal with his obesity. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and then in turn, it became this wonderful, you know, film. Uh, I mean, he said some things in there that I just, I mean... Any actor, any filmmaker, any artist, I think, should listen to the documentary. Of course, he wasn't perfect, but mm-hmm. perfection came out of his own suffering. Yeah. Just, I really, I, I, I was away by that film. Um, Me too. You know, yeah. I thought the, the, the Big Short was a great film. I, I, you know, submerging myself into this dialogue of subjects and details that I had no idea about. But yet, somehow, you know, in their own clever way, they... They, they, it, it came across to me, at least, that I understood what was going on. Um, I thought DiCaprio's performance in The Revenant was fantastic. I mean, he suffered, you know, as a, any filmmaker would to try to get the best shot, but he really put himself in, in, in the depths of the, the, the elements to, to, you know, not only act, but really be like, oh, my, it's cold and I'm miserable. I got to get but you out know, of here. You know, you know what's so. interesting, uh, Orion, that you're talking about, about Brando? It's the same thing. Like, I've seen DiCaprio, we all have in movies, uh, but this was a movie where when he doesn't have dialogue, he conveys pain or whatever through his body, which is like Brando, you know, the, the physical thing. And then the word thing through speech is incredible. Like, his role is unreal in this movie, right? I mean, it's a really incredible depth acting role, and he shows that Marlon Brando part of him where he doesn't say a word, but you feel it, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I think for the first time, we've, we've heard DiCaprio so many times try to convey his character uh, with with words, and here's the first time that now we've heard, you know, we've seen him mm-hmm. with his just emotion and face and right. uh, without one of his tools, and that's his, uh, right. his great voice and his mimicry. But uh, I thought he did a great job in that. And um, but you know I, I'm I'm moved by documentaries. I'm you know I, I'm in I'm in the the discussion of many right now. But I I, um, I really uh, I just love how things are displayed in, in the Marlin documentary. It just really it's sort of yeah that was standard great. To me. Hmm. You know what and I by the way say... anybody if you've got Showtime it's on Showtime this month the Marlin movie it's on documentary. You're on funny. Yeah. yeah there we go plug for Showtime. That's perfect. Yeah. No. Or you know what I wanted to say to you, you know, when you said you had slept on the couch at one of your um one of the people that inspired you. It's so funny because I had a very similar situation and you're gonna you're gonna laugh with Harlan Ellison. Talk about listening to um science fiction and um listening to different things going on. That was uh that was a bit trippy growing up and listening to him talk about everything and all the different people that would come and meet at his house. And a lot of these people were just writers, but then they became books, you know, and then they became films. So a lot of the films I think today are based on real, I mean, when you're, when you're sitting down and writing, I mean, you have to really get into it. Do you do, do you do all your own writing, or do you have most? Of, do you have somebody helping you with that? Well, I'm I'm not a writer. I'm just a producer. So what I do is mm-hmm. I, uh, I I I I'm creative on the side of finding people mm-hmm. who can convey my thoughts to to a page, which then can turn into an image based on whatever cinematographer or director that I'm a fan of, or I want to work with. So uh, yeah, I don't uh, I don't really write anything i come up with some ideas i look i can look at a script and say eh, you know this doesn't feel right can you go back and fix that or fix this so it's yeah not, I, mean, I have written before and I've, I've written some columns and some different things but I'm, i don't i don't i i i mean i could never in a million years imagine what it takes to for a screenwriter oh, to actually crazy. really it's crazy and crazy. you know what's really great is the fact that you're able to 
create something out of something that somebody has written and then the vision's there. You're painting pictures for people. So I think it, your style um, is very unique. What would you, um, what style of filming did you really relate to as you were growing up? I mean, that you really liked? Um, you know, I, I mean, I watched what was in front of me because I was growing up in Texas and we didn't get all a bunch of foreign films and independent mm-hmm. movies. Um, you know, I did see, you know, I'm 50, so I've seen a lot of films in the eighties and, you know, we all loved ET and star Wars and jaws and whatnot, but it wasn't, it was, it, it the filmmaking that I got excited about were music videos of bands that I was a fan of in England. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a lot of, wonderful directors and cinematographers that, that make, you know, Academy Award and well-respected movies today that were on those videos that gave them a look and feel that really touched me. I, I could, I was mesmerized by music videos. I was mesmerized by uh, short films about bands. You know, I mean, those things that you could only see on MTV or some other weird channel was what really uh, connected me to the image and the sound and, and the dialogue that was coming through the, you know, the lyrics or whatever. So those were mini movies for me. They were like short films and, it, and, and there were some that I loved, <laughs> some that I wasn't a fan of. Inspiration. But uh, the one, yeah. yeah, they inspired me. I mean, I could, well, which goes on, along with your know, subject David. matter, right? I mean, Orion, it goes along with your subject yeah. matter and, and, and music, right? I mean, that's what ties it that all in. That is correct. You're right, Spencer. You Absolutely. know, you're lucky. You're together. lucky, Orion, that you're in in Europe because in Europe there's a lot of cinema. We we you know, in, it's called the cinema there. As as here, it's like let's go to the movies, but over there you get to go to the cinema, and it's so it's so different. So um, you get to see a lot of the films that don't really make it over here, or maybe we get to see it at the film festivals or something like that. So that's really unique that you're able to do that. Um, what have you seen oh, wait, over there Europe, in right. Europe that's different that we haven't seen yet over here yet? Uh, well, okay. I've only been here a week. Uh, I've been watching the television series, um, which is a Miramax, uh, sorry, Weinstein uh, produced uh, War and Peace. It's it's on the BBC. Oh, and yeah. It's so uh-huh. oh, wow. Yeah. And, and, and I have some friends in it. And uh, the Paul Dano's wow. great. James Norton's great. Jack Loudon is fantastic in it, and it's just a really cool uh, <laughs> series that I have not, you know, I, I saw a premiere of it in uh, in Los Angeles, and I've been keeping up with it here. I don't watch TV typically. I mean, I watch television, I watch movies and science stuff, but I don't really typically sit back and binge watch, you know, uh, Breaking oh, yeah. Bad. I don't, I've never seen it. You know, I've never seen. I don't see a lot of that stuff. So I don't do Netflix. Huh? Really, <laughs> I have Netflix. I watch movies. Yeah. I just don't watch I TV. Uh, yeah. And I know it's, they're, they're really one and the same now, but uh, stuff that's meant for, you know, uh, cable or, or Netflix or stuff like that, I, I don't really touch on it. But, but I should, and I will, I'm sure. When I'm you, know the, you know what the thing is, War and Peace, I saw it the other night. I, I ran into it by accident on a cable, and they showed, like, four consecutive episodes. It was mind-boggling. It's such a beautiful series. It's beautifully shot, yeah. Yeah, isn't it? Definitely it's wonderful. beautifully shot. Right. It is. Right. It really is. I really love and it. Or- I really love it. Yeah. Well, we want to we wanna thank you for being here with us from London. And, uh, Spence, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask Orion before I we... Think, I think we covered it all. I want to meet Orion again in the United States, and maybe him, me, and Roddy will hang out. And Holly, you'll have to fly over here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I like that. I like that, guy. Well, Orion, you need to come... Thank you, you need to come to North, North Cali. You need to come to California. Yeah. Visit Holly. <laughs> film some stuff here. No, I'll go. it's beautiful here to film. Oh, oh my yeah, gosh. she's in a beautiful zone. It's just it's I love like it God's there. country. Mm-hmm. Well, send me uh, an invite, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll drive up and uh, well, uh, hang out. I've got a lot of friends up there, and I'll, I'll do it. I'd love to see you. Great. Cool. You should. You should definitely Good. come to California. We want to say to everyone that was listening today, thank you so much for being here. And um, we um, want to thank you, Orion, for being available for us. And I know it's like um, 11 o'clock at night there in London. So you're, you're up late. 
And now, what are you going to do after no, we hang, at, when we finish the interview? What are you going to do? <laughs> I want to hear this. I'm going you know to get – it is Friday night, but I'm not. I'm going to probably answer some emails and a couple of calls that came in uh, regarding work that's happening in L.A., so I'll probably call L.A. And, I mean, I, you know, the thing about, Ooh, you know, when you're right. in London, by the end of the day, your L.A. day wakes up, so you have to start doing that. So there you go. Right. No, no, that's so true. That's oh, so true. God, yeah. But um, I know that we wanted to say thank you again so much. And, again, for anyone that missed the beginning of this, it will be on iTunes afterwards and on demand. And we're sorry about the lack of uh, the few moments of silence there and the little crossovers. But sometimes, I don't know, it's weird. It is Friday. I want to say to everyone, please don't drink and drive, and also be safe with uh, this whole um, impending storm, the doomsday (laughs) storm that we're hearing about. Yeah, you're lucky you're over there, but um, you get the rain, and you do get the cold weather, but um, supposedly it's going to be a big storm. So, Storm of the century, Spencer. You better warm up. Yeah, that's right. Taken by storm, uh, Orion. Taken by storm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's I think it. We hang, should... in, hang in there, guys. <laughs> okay. All right. With that, we're going to end our show with the song that you chose, which is called um, Gentlemen Take Polaroids. You want to tell us why you chose yeah. that song? I just love uh, Japan and David Sylvian, who bizarrely uh, lived in Sonoma <clears throat> for a while. Really? Wow. That's right. Really? That's right. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> he's a singer. That's right. He's just a dear friend. That's cool. He's a dear friend, and I love him. And I just thought oh. I would put that on there. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, there's there a you lot go. of music. You know, there's a lot of people in this area. Like, I know Jack Blade, Tommy Shaw, Carlos Santana, a lot of musicians, <laughs> a lot of filmmakers. You need some cough drops, man. I'm telling you, that's really bad cough. Yeah, I've got the heat um, in my apartment. I've got cough drops going. I've got my uh, Bionair air thing with humidifier. I got everything going here. That's funny. You know who else lives here? Um, you're gonna love this. Is John Lasseter? He lives right down the street from me. And uh, oh wow, that's he's cool. really cool. And I didn't even know this, but um, the movie Cars was filmed and based on Sonoma. I didn't know that. Really? Ooh, wow. For once, uh-huh. for once in my life, you're going to hear <laughs> sirens. No, you're going to hear sirens, and you're going to hear everything. It's raining really bad here, so there's a lot of oh. accidents and a lot of roads closed. So. Oh, God. Um, oh. For once, instead of New York, you're hearing it from California, sirens and police cars <laughs> and fire trucks. But anyway, with that, we're going to end our show. And uh, for everyone, please enjoy the weekend. And, uh if you're in an area where you um, are hit by the storm, I hope that, you know, you stay safe. Godspeed to everyone. And uh, thanks, Spence, and thanks, Orion, for being here today. Hey, thanks, Holly, and you're thanks, welcome. Orion, both of you. You're for... so welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Here you guys go. You're welcome. Go. Back and roll.